Hey, coming to you live from Randy's car. Randy's car. It's the 2018 Good Brews Bad Views post Gen Con report. Woo, Gen Con! Gen Con. So we miss you, Ryan. Yes, uh, Ryan was unable to uh, join us this year at Gen Con, but we have me, Max, uh, James Thorpe, and frequent guest of the show, Randy Fisher, who uh, are current, uh, currently occupying this car. Uh, also, friend of the show, Steve Cuff. Uh, made an appearance at Gen Con and uh, brought us a whole hell of a lot of uh, raised grain beer. Thank you, Steve. Um, so we're just kind of going to give you a little bit of a recap of the uh, weekend. We drove up on uh, Wednesday afternoon, and uh, it's Sunday now. We have just eaten our lunch at our uh, typical uh, Sunday lunch spot, Payne's, or Paxers, as it is sometimes known as. And uh, we're going to start off with our favorite games that we bought or played over the weekend. We'll start off with James. Uh, so I picked up a, uh, a couple of games that I actually had pre-ordered um, or were Kickstarter, so I'm not going to include those on there. That would be cheating. That would be cheating, yeah. So the game that surprised me the most was from ILO called Raids. Um, if you've ever played Tokaido, it plays in a similar manner where you're Everyone's continually moving around the board, um, but this one has a bit more strategy to it in that you actually have, to have decisions to make uh, about how you're going to score your points and how you're going to affect others when they score their points. Um, it is Viking-themed and comes with what quite possibly be the most adorable Viking meeples I've ever seen in my life, and uh, you should give it a shot. And who is that by again? Aiello. Hello, uh, Randy. What about you? Favorite game you played or bought or demoed at the con? So uh, for me it would be uh, I bought a game called Street Masters uh, by the Sadler Brothers, and uh, it's basically a 1980s 90s arcade game uh, put onto a board. So if you ever played like Street Fighter, or, like Streets of Rage, or any of those things, it's it's the spirit of that. Um, I picked it up there. It was a Kickstarter. And I managed to get it for an amazing deal because they were doing a, basically selling it for Kickstarter there. So I didn't get to play it at the con, but I played it previously. So I'm not sure if that's cheating. That's so, no, because you also you because you 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 bought it. So I did buy yeah. it there. so the game that I know I'm going to love because it just the, the production value is through the roof, and uh, it's based on probably one of the most beloved games of all times is Brass. So it's a, uh, a very it's a heavy Euro game that takes place during the Industrial Revolution in England. And uh, there's Brass, Birmingham, and Lancashire, and it's just different areas of the country, and you're you're producing goods and shipping them to ports, and uh, it's, you know it's it's the, a very European game, but the production value is fantastic. The art is gorgeous. It has these clay-fired poker chips for money. Um, it's it, the reviews are through the roof. People are just in love with the game, so I know that I know that that's going to be my like probably the favorite game I bought. So. Okay, and to wrap things up, um, this one actually was a big surprise for me. I, I had no intention of ever even uh, demoing it or even purchasing it. Um, it. Was the Thing game by Mondo Games? Mondo, known for the uh, really really cool movie posters and art prints and stuff. They're uh, they're dipping their toe into um, like licensed IP games. So the Thing is a hidden roles game where um, it plays up to eight people, and at the beginning of the game there is one person who is an imitation and the rest of them are humans and to basically the game is done in three acts where you're going through different parts of the uh complex from the movie and um you kind of have to go on missions and people contribute cards being like oh uh, everyone gives you a card and uh if there is an axe you complete the mission if not you fail and the imitation can of course put in like sabotage cards so um it's a hidden roles game which i'm typically not a big fan of 
but um, the way that it's handled, it's very sneaky, and I actually really, really enjoyed it. Um, it played, when we demoed it we, it, we played with seven, and it ran very, very well. And our group typically hovers around between six and eight on most Friday nights, so it's difficult for us to find a game typically that can play with everyone and not just be like this super bogged down experience that takes like three or four hours, which is a little heavy for some people. So uh, this, I think, is about an hour and a half, maybe two hours. Um, so I'm really, really looking forward to getting it on the on the uh, on the table. Um, Da, da, da. Also, uh, Randy and I both picked up a game called Summit, which is like a mountain climbing game, um, but it's very shafty in the sense that you can like uh, cut your uh, opponent's rope or throw your equipment at them to. Uh, make them climb into pointless areas of the. You can also make them climb into uh, pointless areas of the mountain, um, or make their route take way longer. And you know. Yeah, because there's uh, you know, it's it's like a tile laying game in the sense that you you put down the different tiles of like where the ropes go, so you can. You know, they can be going off one direction, and you can just make them have a dead end, and they have to turn around, and uh, that could be... I think it also plays up to eight players, so, you know, anything we can get on the table that can have anyone or everyone play in is, is currently something pretty high in our books. Um, there also is an expansion that came with it called Yeti, where they put a Yeti at the top of the mountain, and the person in last place gets to control where the Yeti goes. So uh, that should be uh, fun. We just got a quick little run-through of it, but uh, it just sounds like a blast, and uh, the production value on that also looked pretty good. So um, so one of the reasons we go to Gen Con, other than playing games, are is uh, all the places we, places we like to go to eat. And um, I'll start off this one. Uh, favorite place that we went to eat uh, this time uh, will be the Indian Star Restaurant that we went for lunch on Saturday. So um, typically we always go to this place called Barcelona's, um, which turns out to be right next to where this Indian place is. But Barcelona's closed uh, last September. Boo! So we will, we will no longer be able to have... Um, Delicious Spanish tapas, but uh, we happened to find a very good Indian buffet place right next door to it. So, uh, pour sangria out for them, though. Yeah, pour sangria out for Barcelona's tapas. Um, but no, this this uh, buffet we went to was very good. A uh, little bit of a walk from the con, about a little, little over a mile, um, but uh, definitely worth the trek. Uh, Randy, favorite place you ate? So, I, I mean, it's easy to say St. Elmo's. Uh, I, I think that uh, you're going to hear that a lot. It's just such a, it's a historic indie steakhouse, and everything there is, is, is amazing, but it also uh, comes with, uh, you're going to get your wallet out. I mean, my meal, and I didn't even go crazy, was 150 bucks just for me. But uh, the, I had a, a filet mignon, medium rare, with uh, sautéed crab meat and a béarnaise sauce with asparagus on top, which may have been one of the best things I've ever put in my mouth, with a side of creamed corn with jalapenos which was also absolutely fantastic it was unbelievably good so yeah that was a but that was a kind of a five-star meal there's a there's a close two seconds which is i'll throw a shout out to island noodles they're one of the best like cheap teriyaki and vegetable chicken noodle things you can get it's like eight bucks for a pint cup that's delicious and also uh the cupcake truck that basically you stole mine does 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 layered cupcakes they uh so they, they they do like a layer of cupcake frosting cupcake frosting and they serve it in like a beer cup and it is awesome they have all these different flavors and uh you know don't, 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 they're only like five bucks too yeah, right yeah, five dollars so um james we did have different flavors though we did. I, I, I had the strawberry cloud one which was like eating strawberries on a cloud it was yeah. it was that good 
It was amazing. So, two shout-outs. All right, and now to James. So I'm going to go with the cupcake truck also. Uh, I had an Oreo one, and uh, this the reason why I'm not saying St. Elmo's is that I'm retiring St. Elmo's from my favorite meals because St. Elmo's will always be number one for me. So we're going to go St. Elmo's is in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. And now everybody else has to compete to be number one. <laughs> um, but the, the cupcake itself was amazing. And then we discovered by accident that the cupcake combined with the Gen Con beer that was brewed by Sun King was an amazing combination that made both of them better. Yeah, I had uh, I picked up, um, I think it was called Everlasting Gamer. It was a, um, a American uh, amber ale that uh, Sun King and brewed. And typically, I mean, we'll be honest, like when we, when we saw the list of what Sun King had brewed this year, we weren't really blown away by it. It's no... Uh, don't call me Busey. Uh, James is on record of uh, saying that was that was one of the best beers he's ever had. Bring him um, back. back. Um, but um, I had a bite of this cupcake thing, and because you know it was offered, so yeah, have a little bite. And then I washed it down with this beer, and it was just like, oh my gosh, this this combination was spectacular. And um, yeah, like pairing beer and dessert typically isn't something you really think of, um, unless you're gonna do like a, a Russian Imperial style with like a creme brulee. Um, but no, this this was a very um, wonderful discovery of pairing a cupcake with a amber ale, which itself was pretty good for an amber. It had a little more body than I was expecting, and a little bit of a hop backbone. Not I wouldn't call it hoppy, but um, definitely had some hops to it, which um, kind of made it stand out from a lot of other ambers. So, uh, last but not least, or just some some kind of open discussion here. Let's talk about our favorite Gen Con moments, or just you know what you really enjoyed about the con in general. So, um, Randy. So mine was actually not doing very much. Typically, and that sounds weird, but typically I overschedule myself and uh, I find that I don't get to do as much as I want to. I'm exhausted, I don't sleep much. And uh, that while I have a blast, I'm usually trying to stay awake driving home and uh, that I'm completely worn out. And it feels like I need a vacation from the vacation I just took. This is not the case. I, I scheduled just a few events. Uh, I got to see everything I really wanted to see. I just wandered around, took it easy. So that, that was kind of the overall theme of it. But uh, a couple of standouts was uh, um, I grew up with miniature schnauzers, and there was one that was wearing a Gandalf hat running around, which was the star of the show. If you look at any Gen Con p pictures, and I have this year a lot, he's in all of them. Uh, people just love the dog. I thought it was really cute. Yeah. Um, that was the first time I've seen a dog like at Gen Con who wasn't like a service dog. Yeah. So and, and The dog was super well trained, super well-trained dog because he was following all the verbal commands. Uh, Max, Max and I saw a little kid in a uh, pop top chainmail outfit, which was uh, which was really well done. Actually, it looked it looked like chainmail, and he seemed to be having a good time. I thought that was cute. Yeah. And then uh, it just I guess kind of the last thing too was uh, it just seemed like the the convention had its uh, had its business together even better than ever this year. The even on its busiest day, the vendor hall never felt super crowded. The hall never felt super crowded. Lines were under control. I mean, there were still really long lines, but it wasn't a crowd press. I didn't feel like I couldn't move around like I had it sometimes in the past. So that was really well done on their part. So, Yeah, uh, I will definitely agree with that. In the last couple of years, they've definitely um, stepped up like how often they're like managing the restrooms or uh, widening, widening like the key veins of the, uh, of the, what do you mean, the, the, the the key aisles um, in the vendor hall, as well as um, managing like 
where people should go for uh, doing cosplay photos. Like they were very adamant about not doing, um, uh, you know, photos in the vendor hall because um, that can get really just you know bottlenecky if you see some some uh, if you see a lot of people you want to stop and take photos of. Um, I definitely took a lot less photos in the vendor hall this year in comparison with a couple years ago. Um, my I think favorite like Gen Con moment was actually like. We, or I, got to hang out with a lot of um, our podcast friends. I got to hang out with um, uh, Noah from uh, Maple Syrup Blood Money. Um, I got to hang out with uh, Spencer, Caleb, and Ross from uh, the Mix 6. I got to meet um, Rob, who I'm not even trying to pronounce his last name because it's Welsh, um, of Orpheus Protocol. And um, we drank some of the... Uh, Blade Runner 2049 Johnny Walker Black. We have uh, a video of Rob trying Malort from the first time from Chicago, which is just an absolutely vile liquor, but um, still uh, worth uh, trying. And uh, hmm? Death Cup. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Death. We played this. We played this game, which pretty much was quarters at uh, at the Ram Brewery called Death Cup. Quarters with dice rolling and a lot of shouting and middle fingers. Yeah. Steve Cuff was just throwing throwing the middle finger at like everyone. I did not make. I think I made one quarter that entire like hour and a half we were playing. But so that was a grand old time. And um, James, anything you want to add to this discussion? Um, yeah, I put it up on, so I'm going to do a, a Gen Con thing and a non-Gen Con thing. So my Gen Con thing is I had a really, really, really good basing um, session uh, for for very scenic, di- like diorama-style basing um, with uh, Soshi Miniatures. She was fantastic. Um, I couldn't recommend that class enough. I, I learned a lot. I'm thrilled with what I put out, um, and I'm actually setting it up. I'm probably going to use it as one of my c- competition piece entries for next year. Um the uh, the second thing is I, I, I put it up online on my it's, you guys won't see it but it's my on my Facebook account and uh, it has to do with just the the Saint Elmo's dinner it's it's not even the food it's the fact that we've been doing it now on Saturday night for three years I think and uh, that's it's just the perfect way to end like it really is that really is the end of Gen Con for us in a lot of ways Sunday's usually kind of cleaning up and grabbing the last little things you wanted to see or grabbing the finding the last demo that you missed or or just just taking care of those little you know little, little loose loose threads that you need to pick up and, and handle and uh that dinner has just become it's so much fun we relax it, it's it it really is a break like once we hit that dinner everything just slows down we always had this idea of like okay we're gonna go to St. Elmo's and then afterwards we're gonna go back and board game and that never happens never never happens we're just like oh my gosh we are full of meat and shrimp and yeah it was it's just it is a it is a great just experience that's the only way i can i can um describe that meal um other interesting kind of podcasty news is uh we uh actually got our first like press kit from something um james you want to talk a little about corvus belly because i think you're a little bit more familiar with them than i am sure it's a uh so corvus belly is a is a company that does uh the big thing that they do is Infinity, which is a, uh, a squad-based uh, or squad-level uh, miniatures game that is known for, for being pretty darn crunchy, actually, um, and having a ton of terrain, uh, lots of Overwatch, lots of tactical acumen. Uh, it's a it's a game that, that I've dipped my toe into just a bit in, like, the rules and looking into it, so I'm actually pretty excited to get this press kit, the, to take a look at it further. Um, what I like about it is that it is a game 
that it's a it's a hundred bucks buy-in and you're done. The, your hundred bucks typically gets you every mini you need to play, uh, the rules you need for your team, and all the terrain you need to play a game, which is an astounding deal when it comes to the world of miniatures, considering that I spent almost that much on a single display piece miniature that is pretty much the same size as two of the miniatures from one of those boxes. So uh, you should give it a shout, uh, give it a shot, take a look at it. Uh, they are, uh, Infinity Games are on Twitch all the time. Uh, just search for them and, and you'll find it. It's The art style is pretty unique when it comes to miniatures games because it's not, it's not, uh, it's not old fantasy. It's not grimdark. Um, as somebody who loves 40K, I'm not knocking those yeah. things. It's, uh, it's very cyberpunk. Uh, a lot of uh, manga aesthetics as far as some of the, like, the mech designs and stuff like that. So hard lines, you know, um, that those kind of things you could expect from like a, 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 a Japanese sci-fi kind of thing. So, um, but yeah, in, in, the, uh, in the press release they gave us, or excuse me, press kit they gave us, they gave us um, some minis and the quick start rules. So uh, James and I probably we will maybe play a game or two of it and then kind of give a little bit of a report on it and um infinity kind of uh reminds me a lot i've noticed a lot of other um companies are doing this as far as like the uh, the war games go as far as it, um doing like small skirmish based stuff that has a much smaller buy-in than stuff like warhammer oh, excuse you um uh uh, so, like, I know Conflict 41, which is like that World War II that never ended game, has a has a pretty low buy-in price. And, of course, you can there's, like, things you can buy to, you know, increase the size of your your squad or what have you. But um, I think it's generally it's making those kind of games much more accessible to people who want to, you know, drop $200 or $300 on, um, you know, Warhammer or, or 40K or stuff like that. <laughs> $300 on Warhammer Max. To get into War... To start. To, to start. To, to start two, two of my robots were $300 for 40 <laughs> Imperial Knights don't count. <laughs> different thing, different thing. So, um, I, I also think of a big shout-out to uh, Arc Dream Publishing. Um, for the second year in a row now, they have uh, paid for my badge because I've been running Delta Green games for them. And uh, uh, all my games went well. Uh, one player willingly nuked himself in a in a game where they had to uh, retake a, a nuclear missile silo in Siberia. Um, my games that I had ran that were set up at Michigan Tech went very well. Um, people stepped in bear traps, and uh, they always took max damage for some strange reason whenever I rolled the dice on that. So, oh well. Um, uh, it was, yeah, so a, a good time was had by all. Uh, something I also noticed walking around the con, or, or just wherever I went, is there was always someone from Michigan within, like, distance of me. Either, like, at every restaurant, even in our, in our hotel lobby this morning, which, you know, Gen Con's in the Midwest, so you expect that. But um, when there's, like, 70,000 people around, like, to consistently see someone from your state or with ties to your state, it's kind of just odd. But, so... But yeah, um, overall, how would you guys had a great Gen Con? Oh yeah, I, I, had, I had a fantastic Gen Con. I was looking forward to, I'm trying to do more cons, um, but this is something I look forward to every year. Um, it, uh, it's one of those things that kind of presses the reset button in my life. Like it, even though I light stacks of money on fire, it forces me into like a forced, you know, austerity measures for the next two months as I pay off the obscene amount of nonsense I bought. But, uh, yeah, it just gives me a, a sense of, it's just kind of great. You're, like, with an army of your own people. 
and uh, it's just one of the best things you could possibly do in one of the best places on earth. I love it. Yeah. James? Good con. Good con. Good con. Yeah, and for me, just, yeah, great con, great con. So, um, oh, one last little tidbit is uh, you haven't listened to the episode yet because it hasn't been released yet, but uh, we have gotten our remote... Uh, broadcast system worked up so we so we can have guests um uh on the program who are not in ryan's basement so we talked with a number of people who will hopefully be making an appearance on the regular uh episodes of the podcast so stay tuned for that uh that's about all the time we have for right now we're going to go listen to some podcasts as we drive in the next couple hours back to detroit and as always please watch and drink responsibly bye-bye 